Word means Bhavishyatas. Will take birth. Will take birth. Tava. Tava. Your. Your. Abhadrao. Abhadrao. Two contemptuous sons. Two contemptuous sons. Abhadraos. Abhadre. Abhadre. Oh, unlucky one. Oh, unlucky one. See, when you're addressing someone, I guess, in a lot of cases, the A would change to an E. You see that in some of the... Even I, like Namaste, Saraswate, Devi, all words, my respectful days to you, Saraswati Devi, come to Saraswate, Devi. Huh? <laughs> Jatara Adhamal. Jatara Adhamal. Born of a condemned womb. Born of a condemned womb. Lokan. Lokan. All planets. All planets. Sapalan. Sapalan. With their rulers. With their rulers. Treen. Treen. Three. Three. There's a. One devotee, Brenda, we haven't seen her in a long time. She has a daughter named Tri Tri Trina. Trina. I think it's her name. And it's a Greek word for three. So Greek must come from Sanskrit. So Christos must come from Christian. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's what she was probably asking. That's not mine, huh? Yeah. Chandi, well. <laughs> Since I'm not an authority, I'm trying not to. Chandi. Chandi. Haughty one. Haughty one. Muhu. Muhu. Constantly. Constantly. Akrandishyataha. 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 That's right. Will cause lamentation. Will cause lamentation. Translation by Sri Prabhupada. Oh, haughty one, you will have two contemptuous sons born of your condemned womb. Unlucky woman, they will cause constant lamentation to all the three worlds. <clears throat> Please repeat, oh haughty one. Oh haughty one. Chandi, oh haughty one. You will have two contemptuous sons. You'll have two sons. Born of your condemned womb. Born of your condemned womb. Unlucky woman. Unlucky woman. You will cause constant lamentation. They will cause constant lamentation. They will cause to all the three worlds. To all the three worlds. Purport. Contemptuous sons are born of the condemned womb of their mother. In Bhagavad Gita 1.40, it is said. When there is deliberate negligence of the regulative principles of religious life, the women as a class become polluted and as a result there are unwanted children. This is especially true for boys. If the mother is not good, there cannot be good sons. The learned Kashyap could foresee the character of the sons who would be born of the condemned womb of Ditti. The womb was condemned because of the mother's being too sexually inclined and thus transgressing all the laws and the injunctions of the scriptures. 
In a society where such women are predominant, one should not expect good children. Figures our spiritual master Shiva Prabhupada is opening the eyes with torchlight and light. I offer my respectful obeisance unto him and all members of Shiva Parampara. Bhavishyattastava Bhadra Abhadre Jata Radhamal Lokan Sapalang Strings Chandi Muhur Akranda Yashata. O haughty one, you will have two contemptuous sons born of your condemned womb. Unlucky woman, you will cause constant lamentation to all the three worlds. So, Shiva Prabhupada refers to the part of first chapter in Bhagavad Gita where Arjuna is talking about, you know, how there's going to be neglected women and all kinds of things are going to happen. So, Shiva Prabhupada. There's about three verses of that. <coughs> some purports. And I'll see, you know, read some of that. Shiva Prabhupada's comments are always the best. And uh, what else? Well, I was thinking this is a good, you know, explanation of a lot of things that are going on in the world today. Also, I was thinking that Kashyap Muni is sort of blaming his wife, and he's complicit in the whole thing, but he's not really. Anyway, he's stating things that need to be said. He's saying, he's kind of, he's bringing out the negative, and I was thinking how Srila Prabhupada came into, you know, the, the situation in the West here where so many terrible things were happening, he even said so in his poetry on the boat over he knew. And, uh, but he didn't come and just chastise, he had something positive to give first. And a few verses back even, it was somehow, I didn't look back there, but Haridas Thakur was brought up. Think about Haridas Thakur and the prostitute and how he was able to, you know, not only was she someone who was just momentarily practicing irreligious life, but she, her, she was dedicated to it. But look what happened. Haridas Thakur was able to make her a pure devotee just really quickly. She bowed down at his feet on the third day. You know, now I realize what what I'm doing and you know who you are. Please give me shelter. What should I do? She was had spiritual intelligence. Were we listening to Rasheshka probably talking about two kinds of intelligence? He was talking about buddhi and something. No, I said that about Vishakas because Neha and uh, Buddha. Oh, right. So um, I've always kind of, well, I've been slowly getting, formulating something about that in my mind about the different kinds of intelligence that people have. Because see people who are very materially intelligent, you know have the spiritual intelligence in certain ways. Is booty the word for a spiritual kind of intelligence? It's analytical. Analytical. They both can be spiritual or material. Mm -hmm. And Meta is more like the nourishment 
emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence. So, uh, obviously, I guess you could say Kashyap Muni is not a pure devotee. He was not able to preach. Vaishnava Siddhanta is his wife, and it says he's a devotee of Lord Shiva. And uh, we could say he didn't, he may have been a great devotee of Lord Shiva, but he didn't understand the mind of Lord Shiva, as he himself explained to his wife, my dear Sati, I'm always in this Vasudeva state of pure Krishna consciousness. But Kashyap Muni, at least until now, I don't think he goes into that here. I think what happens now, he, he you know, he chastises his wife, and then that situation sort of stays. Of course, this is all the, the uh, will of the Supreme. But his wife is pregnant. She feels like, okay, I got what I wanted. I just hope it. But I stay pregnant, and things go okay. So she retreats into her pregnancy and normal life. Whereas Haridas Thakur turned this prostitute into someone who went home, got rid of everything, gave it to the brahmanas, came home. He told her to stay in this room. Just come back here, stay in this room for the rest of your life, maybe? I can't remember the story. She came back and she, she began chanting for 300,000 rounds a day. Like, that was amazing. Think of that. So, um, this all made me think of, uh, you know, the power of Vaishnava preachers and their situations going out into the West. And also I'm reading more, Mother Sandhana gave me the second volume of this Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Bhai Baba book. And the beginning of volume two is starting out really good. It was, uh, it's talking about how, <laughs> um, well, the British Raj is in India, and, and how the people are taking it. A lot of them, especially the intellectuals who are so influential, became sort of embarrassed thinking about our own, you know, the way we, yes, maybe the British are right. They seem so powerful, and they're so confident coming in here, telling us that we're kind of like heathens. You know, we're doing these meaningless rituals and we have, you know, uh, these half-animal gods that we're worshiping and what else. And we're, one of the things that, that I got the impression that the intellectuals in India were bothered about was the British kind of implied or directly stated that they were, this is kind of effeminate, the way you're, you know, you're kind of, your men are some, some kind of effeminate and all this. You know, whereas we're conquering the world, we're world conquerors and actually we're superior. They uh, very much had that attitude. So there were intellectuals who started to change and started to kind of think, yeah, well, we should try to incorporate some of these ideas and keep some of ours. But they ended up in a lot of ways like rejecting even 
basic things like reincarnation and not rejecting, but they formed a society like the Brahma Samaj where, and the Tagore family was big in this. They were big literary people, intellectuals, really influential in Bengal. So uh, they formed a society where, you know, it was kind of um, okay if you wanted to believe in reincarnation, that's okay, and karma and these things, but you didn't have to. And they got rid of a lot of, you know, things that the British didn't appreciate. This was the intellectual class, but somehow or another, in this, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati was there. And he would, he didn't worry about any of it. He just had his purpose to go send preachers to the West, right to the middle of, of the British, you know, in London. And it, and it tells in the book, you know, how people of India really paid attention to that. They were shocked and, and amazed and astonished by it. That, that uh, wow, this is our, uh, you know, we're not cowering down here. We're, we're actually going to send people right into the vortex of the storm, you know. And so the, it was interesting who he cho chose to send, two, two sannyasis and one brahmachari. Who, there's pictures of him in the book, and they're really sweet pictures. The brahmachari was called Sundarananda uh, Das. He has glasses, you know, sweet-looking person. But he's going to go get a PhD in, in, in London. And somebody didn't say what, but so that was a surprise for the people of India to, to see that because the PhD was, you know, to have one of those degrees from England was pretty respected. And then the two sannyasis that went, uh, Bhakti, Vipad, uh, Tirta Maharaj, BP, Pradeep, Bhakti Pradeep, Tirta Maharaj, who was kind of older, kind of a uh, stocky and tough looking a little bit but really sweet sannyasi and, and this uh bhakti uh bon maharaj what's his name uh, bon, uh, Rida, yeah. bhakti Rida, Rida, bon, bon maharaj yeah he is such really young and this picture in there is just beautiful he's a very beautiful young and bhakti sanandi starts why he says that he's a um what do they call him? A dazzling orator. <laughs> the dazzling orator. <laughs> so those three went, and he described in there, you know, how they, uh, I forget what time of year, I must have been in summertime, and they were freezing cold. <laughs> and the local people were saying, this is the hottest weather we have, but they were freezing, and their baggage had been left in Italy, I think. So they waited for, I don't know how long, two weeks or something for their clothes. Mm -hmm. They're writing letters back and saying cotton is not enough in this weather, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I thought I would read. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati wrote this kind of address when he was sending them off to London. And it's real inspiring. I got two main points from it. One is that he was warning them, of course, not to get involved in the material things in London and be dissuaded from your mission. So his point was really strong that the purpose of tree dundee 
sannyas is to please your Gurudev always, every moment, and Lord Garanga. And so he really, you know, beautifully elaborates on that. And he also says, tells him how to think of the people that he's going to be preaching to, not to not to feel less than them or not to feel haughty, but to take you know, Lord Chaitanya's message of the Shikshasaka verse, Trinata Bismitana, and to realize that these are, in a worldly sense, they are, you know, refined and have manners and there's certain etiquette and everything, and that everybody around is going to see them in worldly terms, so you can't treat them otherwise. That's, he didn't say that, but I, well, maybe he does, I, I can read this, but he also quotes the Prabodhananda Saraswati um, verse that Srila Prabhupada sometimes would quote about taking straw in your teeth and begging people, flattering them hundreds of times. My dear sir, I'm, you're so great, I'm flattering you hundreds and hundreds of times. You're you know, offering you my obeisances. Please, you know, how does he put it? Please take the lotus feet of Lord Gaurasundar is your life and soul, or something like this. Yeah, and Saraswati's verse. So, um, anyway, uh, does any of that sound interesting? We have these verses in the Bhagavad Gita. Also, Srila Prabhupada brings about, are you going to say something? Srila Prabhupada brings up the verse that Arjuna is speaking in first chapter 40 speaking about the condition of women and, you know, when they're not protected by religious principles and what happens after that. Um, like I said, I was thinking of reading that. There's also a verse in the ninth chapter that's so nice. It refers to, it's kind of inspiring, really. It says that, you know, um, even the lowborn, how does this verse go? Mamhi Partha Thank you. Yeah. Which means? Women, others can approach the supreme destination. Yeah. What's that? Tepi. Yanti. Go. Even them can go to the supreme destination. So. As it said, you know, you know, here's Diti, a fallen woman, and, and all the things that's going to happen now from her religious principle. But all of us are lowborn. We've all, you know, everybody's doing these irreligious things. What's going to happen now? You can just see, Srila Prabhupada says, nobody could do anything without the protection of the Lord. So if there were, if it wasn't Krishna in the background making all these things going, just think of the situation we've been. How how much chaos we would be in as people in an irreligious, godless society like we're in now. You just think. Yeah, so there's that verse, and there's something in the purport that I thought was nice in there. It's 30, 939. Maybe 30. Four. 32. Mm. 
All the way. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. That's how. That's a good point. You don't have to just think of Krishna up there thinking of everything we're doing, putting out some kind of vibe through the Paramatma to actually make us do things. But there's all these ways he's helping us, protecting us, including giving us these scriptures and all the different scriptures of the world. Have. You know, personally, I'm thankful for what I heard from the Bible when I was young. Because at least they gave the Ten Commandments. You know, which nobody's following. Who's following that now? Even the leaders of the country haven't been for a few terms now. <laughs> Although I think the last president was very pious and like Barack Obama. Hmm. So, uh, 8.40, the more I ramble on, the more we lose time to do these other things, so. Let's see, uh, when irreligion is prominent in the family of Krishna, the women of the family become polluted. From the degradation of womanhood, O descendant of Rishni, comes unwanted progeny. Good population in human society is a basic principle for peace, prosperity, and spiritual progress in life. Good population in human society. Had to start with nice people first. Radhapada Prabhu said that one time. You know, first being, you know, we were, we were seeing people trying to become devotees here and trying to get into the process, but they really didn't have the foundation for it, so they didn't, you know. They would get all fired up and then you know, back off into other stuff. So to have some kind of foundation is really important. Good population in human society is a basic principle for peace, prosperity, spiritual progress in life. The Varnashram religion's, religion's principles were so designed that good population would prevail in society for the general spiritual progress of state and community. Such population depends on the chastity and faithfulness of its womanhood. As children are very prone to be misled, women are similarly very prone to degradation. Therefore, both children and women require protection by the elder members of the family. According to Chanakya Pandit, Chanakya Pandit, women are generally not very intelligent. Generally, it's not devotee. Devotee women are very intelligent, by the way. Women are generally not very intelligent and therefore not trustworthy. So different family traditions of religious activities should always engage them, and thus their chastity and devotion will give birth to a good population eligible for participating in the Varnashram system. That's what, what I was seeing in this verse from the ninth chapter about how even Shudra's women and Vaishas have can go to the supreme destination. Shudra Prophet says requires in there the guidance of, of the pure devotee. You know, he, he says that he talks about that in a really nice way. On the failure of such Varnashram Dharma, naturally the women become free to act and mix with men, and thus adultery is indulged in at the risk of unwanted population. Irresponsible men also provoke adultery in society, 
and thus unwanted children flood the human race at the risk of war and pestilence. Uh, Arjuna says an increase of one, unwanted population certainly causes hellish life for both the family and for those who destroy the family tradition. So Kashyap Muni is, you know, bringing up the same points. Anybody have any comments about the, the verse and the purport so far, what we read? I just think it, you know, explains a lot of things for us. I think it's a little unfair that Kasha Muni is complicit in this, but he's really kind of almost accusing her of, of the whole thing. But he's part of the, the pastime, of course. So we have, he's, he's doing a tough job, I guess, in a way. He's... He should be very mad at her, but... <laughs> he should be humble. He should have told before that. Uh, you should have what? You should have uh, wept. You should have not done that. He's taking part of We'll see if he says that. I should also have not done it, but I don't think it's going to come up like that. I had that expression, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked about it the other day, remember? We talked about that. We brought that. Yeah, so. Um, hmm. But now what's going to happen? They're just going to go back about their normal life. Hindu is Shiva worship and her to her pregnancy and everything is happy. But terrible things are going to happen. Now, but the Vaishnava preachers are there. And this is, I just kind of wanted to read some of this. See what you think about it. If you want me to stop, I can, I can immediately cease from my activities. But this talk that, that uh, Saraswati, Vakshasana uh, Saraswati Thakur gave when he sent off his troops. So I'm just going to start reading this here. I'm going to stop. Actually, it's four pages, but it goes so quick. It's 845. The happy day has come when we are destined to spread the teachings of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to distant corners of the earth. The spiritual science that we are dedicated to has passed the bud stage and is now a full-blown flower whose aroma we must carry across the seas with the same willingness that characterized Sri Hanuman when he leaped over the wide ocean with Sri Ram's message. This extension of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's spiritual gift to foreign countries is our best offering at his feet. The words of instruction by Sri Gaurasundar are verily his beautiful body. The preachers of his word through the ages are his secondary limbs. His teaching is his potent weapon. And the grace of Sri Hari himself, established in Sri Chaitanya's words, is his eternal associate. Ergo, ergo means therefore. This is a typical to have such a, like a Latin word in there, just out of the blue. Ergo, for truly presenting Sri Gaurasundar the Lord of the Godias, to the aliens, I am addressing these few words to the preachers about to proceed to countries beyond India. We find the great, the following great precepts, Mahavakyas. Oh, this is 
in the body of teachings vouchsafed to us by the Supreme Master of all Masters. Quote, the constant chanting of Hari Kirtan, by being far more humble than a blade of grass and as forbearing as a tree, by seeking no honor for oneself, and by offering due honor to all entities, is the highest natural function of the unloaded jivas. The lotus feet of my Sri Gurudev attracted me to his service, he being the manifest form of these four great precepts. My friends will be in a position to attract all souls of the world to the footstool of real truth by purchasing the same unfailing method. His language is amazing. My friends, I guess he's talking about his sannyasis. My friends will be in a position to attract all souls of the world to the footstool of real truth. <laughs> amazing, you know, imagery and words by purchasing the same unfailing method. What's that unfailing method? So he's telling them, you know, this is the first thing. You're, you're going there to represent Shigor Sundar, and you do it humble, more humble than a blade of grass. It's forbearing as a tree. The crest jewel of the order of sannyas, or of the triple staff, Sri Prabodhananda Saraswati Goswami Pai has in the following words taught the same process to those who assume the triple staff of renunciation. Quote, I say this while holding a straw between my teeth, falling at your feet and uttering hundreds of humblest entreaties. All you good souls, throwing everything off to a distance, practice love for the feet of Sri Chaitanya, who is so surpassingly beautiful. That's the end of that quote. Following in the footsteps of all former devotees, I am entreating them to pursue this identical method of propaganda. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Dev is the supreme teacher of all teachers of this world. This is Saraswati Thakur going on in his address. He's the supreme teacher of all teachers in this world and the ideal possessor of highest intelligence. Our only duty should be to constantly chant those words regarding cleansing the mirror of the heart, which he speaks in his eight precepts, Shikshastaka. We are only the bearers of the transcendental word. We shall never hesitate to offer all persons of this world every honor and facility they deserve. We must pray to all for the boon of aptitude for service to Krishna. And without slackening our loving service to the Lord of our hearts, we should offer due honor to all persons. It really, you know, makes that clear that we are just bearers of, you know, the words of the possessor of the highest intelligence, Lord Chaitanya. And we have to offer persons of this world every honor and facility they deserve. And I'm not sure what, how you could, what, how you determine what they deserve exactly, except to be preached to strictly, maybe. <laughs> When, when but, did you write that? What did it say? Well, what year did they leave now? Because this is on the occasion they're leaving, so 1933. Um, hmm. On April 10th, it, it says, with Professor Sanyal's English, Sri Krishna Chaitanya published on Lord Purnima, 1933. Okay. Sri Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati adjudged the time had come for propagating Mahaprabhu's message in Europe. At the time of this 
in publishing them, but in working them up. And on April 10th, his dream finally came true when these three were sent. Because um, he did withdraw them, he did call them back, and by the time yeah, 35 yeah. came, Siddhartha Saraswati was ready to leave. He told Prabhupada, they will be fine in a month, you know, it's, these people in the preaching spirit. But this is this is this was the crowning glory of the Gaudiya Math when they, these people were sent. Yeah, just they would, that they would do that really astonished people in India. Yeah. They were, you know, because they were ready to just kind of like what do you call it when you give your give your own. Uh, Yeah, that, but just the attitude of, uh, of feeling feeling over overwhelmed. Or, I was thinking of the word abnegation or something like that. What are you talking about? The Indian people? Yeah, their yeah. feeling when they, the British came. And apparently it was all just kind of a bluff, but it was a sincere bluff on the part of the British. They, they believed themselves superior, and they the vibration just took over. Oh, there was a big pushback from Gandhi. Yeah. That Swaraj movement was, that was a big pushback. But it's pointed out there were so few British compared to the millions of Indian people. And they, but they took over. They just walked in. So, they're experts. So nobody, nobody in the whole country but Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati was able to, you know, be unfazed in his, the way he talked. He didn't, you know, I mean, he was, he was strict and strong and he, it implied that what they're saying is wrong, either implied or directly said. But he also had this this attitude that it was totally believable, and you know. So he, anyway, they were watching the whole country. I, that, I'm not sure that's so, but the people who knew about it were watching and astonished that, that they would just do this. So that was a success, like you said. Um, He goes on here, we have time. As we approach different persons in all parts of the world with the vendor's bag of discourses about Hari, <laughs> you know, we will have opportunities to see ample sights, hear much, and derive much benefit from our experience. May we never forget that all entities of this world are essentially proteges of the lotus feet of Sri Guru for helping to expand his service. Oh, so we're supposed to see the people we're going to be confronting as, you know, service opportunity units, protégés of the lotus feet of Sri Guru. May we always remember that they are excellent only if prepared to attend with utmost eagerness a particle of dust from the lotus feet of my Sri Guru, and that otherwise they are merely a mirage devised by the deluding potency of our ruin for our ruin. I wish to remind these those friends of mine about to journey to the West for preaching the words of Sri Chaitanya of the two precepts of my master Sri Rupa. One, the, mo the proper mode of renunciation is ceaseless endeavor to cultivate a relationship with Krishna and being free from all mundane affinity to employ objects of this world in pursuance of that purpose. 
Oh, here's that word, abnegation. Maybe that's why that was in my mind. The abnegation by persons desiring liberation of objects that have an affinity with Hari, considering them mundane, is termed renunciation of little actual value. So he's, you know, prepping them, teaching them, or talking to the people who are listening, how to think of all this material prosperity that they're going to find in the West, you know. It's, an, it's something to be used for the mission. I request my friends, be, by giving due honor to all persons in your preaching, follow the ideal of Sri Sanatana Goswami Prabhu in his exposition of the aphorism of the Vedanta. To wit, from transcendental sound comes the cessation of further mon mundane birth. Anybody know that aphorism? That's it. Which means... By, by sound vibration, you will be liberated. Or something. Yeah, other people, an avati. Uh, yeah, other people means shabda. By changing the sound vibration. Those nations that you are going to for propagating the chant of Hari are mounted on the summit of proficiency in all affairs of this world. They are practiced in exercising rational judgment, endowed with good manners, and superior and glorious in many respects. Therefore, we should maintain our hope unshaken that they will prove to be the worthiest recipients of transcendental sound if we simply unlock for them the gates of the natural exhibition of abiding argument and enduring judgment. If we unpack our baggage of genuine discourses of Hadi and rely on the quality of forbearance, it will certainly receive the garland of welcome from the hearts of nations gifted with keen intelligence. It goes on here for a period, it's 857. Another thing that I found interesting here was that fortunately they were able to go to London with, with letters of recommendation from some of these officials from the British Raj. Apparently four governors of some of the biggest states in India wrote letters for them you know, to, to give and other other British officials as well. I don't know how they got that. I think, well, because Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati was traveling a lot and he impressed with so many people. Mm -hmm. And they were willing to say, and they were pious enough that they were willing to recommend them as, you know, at least listen to these people. So that was really important that they had those letters from just what I've read so far. They were able to, you know. Anyway. I guess maybe we should wind it up. And uh, anybody comment? Yeah, it's it's uh, Bhakti Siddhanta so bold and thought that definitely in my head.